session with Mr. Yannis Stratopoulos, and he will literally cross-relate with the other parts of the panel. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you, Nikos, uh, for inviting us uh, in this uh, very vibrant uh, forum. Uh, this panel is, uh, has to do with uh, ship management and what is next. So I will first uh, set the scene and then uh, I will address uh, questions uh, to our panelists. Uh, we have a very high gravity panel here today. We have uh, Mark O'Neill from uh, Columbia Marlow. We have Peter Rotterburg from uh, Intership. Mr. Monoyos uh, from Levi Soler, uh, Captain Adami, owner of Mastermind, and last but not least, Pafkat uh, Ja from uh, MSC. So, ship management and what is next? Uh, the maritime business itself is perhaps one of the most complex and uh, globalized industries that involve the noxious of commercial transactions which involve many people and services. The maritime industry currently faces a prolonged crisis which recently shown some signs of correction, but uh, yet unfortunately no signs of uh, real recovery. The advocators of industry cycles concept as an equation of supply-demand equilibrium discuss extensively the problem of the oversupply, arguing that maritime is currently at the stage of maturity or even with strong evidence of decline. Not surprising, mature or declining industries have been characterized by depreciated demands, well-diffused technical know-how with little innovation. The products themselves tend to be commoditized with little room for differentiation, market experiences, chronic overcapacity, production shift to newly industrialized and developing countries. Competition is intense and, of course, uh, price wars are evident. Following the lessons learned from previous uh, crisis periods, market usually adjusts to the crisis in view of correcting supply-demand uh, balance using a range of generic methodologies. Uh, more uh, in particular, stopping new orders. Many banks that finance ships are under rising internal and regulatory pressure to dismantle non-performing loan portfolios, reducing access to finance for most owners, managers, or even pushing them to distress sales. Demolitions. Analysts suggest that ship recycling is now experiencing its largest growth in history, which is likely to be further fueled by the forthcoming compulsory regulations like transport <coughs> equipment plans and the 2020 super cap. Slow steaming by reducing voyage speed, which technically reduces the fuel consumption and the need for laying ships. Idle fleets for cost control and artificially correction of the supply. This practice was extensively used uh, in the container ship and uh, OSV segments in the recent years and in all previous uh, maritime crises. The reason that markets are threatened, slowed or stopped, is not necessarily because the market is saturated, but because the industry itself has been transformed, creating a new version of the existing market where previous management models may not be precisely applied. Companies unable to fit into this new environment may exit and give their place to new, truly adoptive companies which can re-embrace the new environment. As an extension of this, we have consolidations that were mostly applied in container segment 
which gained new momentum <coughs> among different stakeholders in the industry, like managers, brokers, seekers, designers, etc. Economy of scale is revisited. Signs of technological innovations are entering the traditionally conservative maritime market. Digitalization and big data management becomes an essential management element. New regulations now require detailed micromanagement. And cash flow management, capital, capital expenditures, and efficiency, efficient allocation of capital in a lean and no-frill manner needs visionary and transformative management in, to be able to adjust to the new environment. Now, let's go to the questions to our panel. And on the topic of consolidation. So, uh, I will address this, uh, this question to, to Mark, who is sitting beside me. And uh, although uh, not problem-free, alliances is a form of operation that, and management of two firms uh, to establish a new legal entity in, uh, is one of the known strategies around the world. So, Mark, what are the elements of a successful maritime alliance? And what would be the impacts and benefits of that? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and sorry to keep you away from your, your well-earned lunch, so we'll try and keep this as brief as we, as, as we can. I'm going to answer that question in two stages. First of all, we're going to ask the question, what is an alliance? Because it can mean different things to different people. Uh, and secondly, whether uh, the alliance is necessarily successful. I think an alliance or merger can mean different things to different people. I think that's the first truism. It can mean uh, a cooperation uh, at, in the loosest possible sense at the one end of the spectrum where two companies operate uh, independently of one another but benefit from uh, certain synergies and economies of scale. And it can mean at the other end of the spectrum a full-blown legal and physical merger. So there's no right or wrong. Uh, the definition of uh, a merger means a cooperation uh, or a convergence of ideas and practices. So you have the full uh, variety between uh, those two ends of the spectrum. Indeed, we're seeing a lot of management companies now talking about cooperation between each other, where companies cooperate, uh, cooperate uh, in the services they provide for their clients. So, uh, whether the second aspect of the question is uh, what makes a, a successful maritime alliance, and that really comes down to uh, whether all or some of the expectations uh, or um, preconceptions, objectives, have been satisfied. And not all of them have to be satisfied to make a successful, uh, successful uh, cooperation. To do that, the expectations and objectives have to be set out, first of all, and secondly, uh, they have to be realistic. Now, in our experience, the Columbia Marlow experience, and probably the latest uh, cooperation uh, on the island, but I, I'm sure by no way uh, the last, we have decided to pitch ourselves somewhere between the two ends of the spectrum that we talked about. So, uh, a cooperation on the one hand and the full legal merger on the other. We have two strong brands, very different uh, business functions within those uh, brands, two sets of employees doing what they do very well for their clients, uh, and two very different cultures. So all of those factors have to be taken in when we pitch ourselves between the two ends of the spectrum. What we are doing, though, is we're cooperating very well on uh, certain synergies and economies of scale which can be achieved. So we're looking at IT, we're looking at training, 
we're looking at insurance, we're looking at procurement and offices where relevant, where we can put activities together. I think for all companies that consolidate in any shape or form, uh, it's vital that uh, they maintain their individual and very personal service to the clients and avoid destruction of value both internally and externally. So that's a focus of ours throughout, it's been a focus of ours uh, throughout the, the process. So I think if we ensure that we achieve those objectives, then I think the cooperation will be successful. Thank you, Mark. Uh, let's go now to the topic of uh, new regulation. And I will uh, address a question to Captain Nagami. Eugene, maritime is a complex and highly regulated business area. Among others, the topic of balanced water treatment and sulfur cap dominates the interest of the maritime stakeholders. What kind of skills a new generation shipping company should develop in order to meet the extensive and capital-intense cost of the forthcoming regulations? How to balance regulatory implementation costs at a given market ensuring companies' profitability? That's a very interesting question, and I believe every company has to answer this for itself. I would like to give an insight of a small family-owned company who is looking into these things in a different way than a larger management company who has separate departments for uh, these kind of new technologies. Um, in a small family-owned company, you find a lot of expertise around the management itself. So the, the owners have been previously seafarers and uh, they engage deeply with their departments and also with their crew on board. So I believe uh, a small family-owned company is making a more sensible decision with regard to what kind of equipment needs to be installed. And family-owned business run for generations. They also have the patience to wait when the legislation needs to be implemented on board of ships. We know early birds pay a lot of money, so going back in history when GMDSS uh, became mandatory, the first plants they were costing $150,000. Today these plants cost $20,000. Um, it's, it's a matter of uh, looking at the right timing and expertise within the companies. Small companies go also for products which suit their ships well. They, when they have to implement things like ballast water treatment plants, they go a step further and they see, is there anything else what this plant can do to help me on board of my ships? And you can, for instance, today install ballast water treatment plants, which at the same time help you to reduce fuel costs, carbon neutral ballast plants. This, I believe, is possible in small companies to do, and it's a huge challenge. You need to be patient, and you need to have the patience also to, to get through at the end of the day. But it's the teamwork of, of all uh, departments within the company, and with the associations companies are working with, in order to learn from the association work what is the depth of the regulations in the world. 
thank you, Eugene. So I understand that uh, you prefer small uh, uh, organized chaos rather than a big scale uh, process? Absolutely, absolutely. Because in the small organized chaos, you derive faster to a decision. <coughs> and particularly when it comes to uh, emergency situations and expensive situations, time is the element. So what you are saying and telling to us is that uh, timing is, uh, let's say, the deriving factor that uh, makes success? Yes. Okay, and I think that that is a truth, at least uh, if I take, let's say, into consideration Brexit. Okay, uh, let, uh, let me go to the next one, and I will uh, ask uh, Dieter on the topic of technological innovation and digitalization. Innovation is defined as a process of uh, translating ideas into useful new products, processes, and services, often emerged by integrating digital technologies into daily activities. Smart sensors, digital certificates, remote performance are already here, and arguably digital chips might be the future. However, digitalization is much more about management than it's about technology. How digitalization will change the structure of the industry, and to what extent innovation is likely to improve quality and eliminate or reduce cost? Thank you, Janis, and first of all, also to everybody here, good afternoon. Um, I think we had a very interesting panel uh, just ahead before us, uh, talking about digitalization, and uh, I would like to actually continue on from there. Um, first of all, I agree and uh, would reiterate that digitalization is not about the new technology and uh, automation of uh, work tasks and workflows, but it's about a lot more than that. We, we learned before that we are in the midst of uh, automation uh, and, um, and uh, new technology already with our ships. We have uh, broadband, we have internet on board of the ships, we have uh, broadband data transmission, we have sensor-based maintenance which transmits uh, regularly. Um, we have uh, voyage optimization tools, um, weather routing, trim uh, optimization. Some of us even have CCTV. Uh, on the ships already to help with operation or with, in fact, with uh, problem solving uh, when uh, the ship crew needs assistance. And um, we've been talking about autonomous ships as well. And uh, George, I'm sorry, um, I disagree with you. Uh, I think autonomous ships are not something in the far distant future. I think this is something that is happening. And in fact, the NVGL is classing the first. Uh, what will be the first autonomous ship um, in a couple of years from now. And, uh, yeah. uh, so you said you disagree with me or with the gentleman? George. George? George said he doesn't believe in autonomous ships. I think this is something we will see, and um, I also think that we will see much faster than we believe um, electric propulsion on our ships. Um, that seems to be far away today because we cannot store the energy, but um, there are the first ships are being built now. There are um, pilot uh, ships uh, in, in Holland which are uh, feeder-rain containers uh, along the coast. So I think this is something we will see relatively quickly. Um, but quite frankly, I think the biggest inefficiencies in our, in our industry are not on the technical side, but they are on the commercial side. 
And we briefly touched on this on the on the previous panel and Leslie uh, now mentioned a bit of ladies. In this industry, in the days of blockchain technology, of uh, big data, of, uh, of the internet, of things, we are still using the paper bill of lading. It's something that was invented 500 or more years ago, and we still use it in the same way it was done then. I mean, that should say something, and uh, I think it's clear that there are, that there are, uh, there are obvious um, efficiencies to be had. So I think actually, if you look at this, um, uh, there are opportunities um, starting with this uh, to to improve and to uh, make our to make um, the efficient transport um, the entire um, chain uh, more efficient. And I think blockchain um, technology is something that, that lends itself uh, to it. Um, if we can if we can manage. To get everybody uh, along the chain involved, which includes um, the owners, the shippers, the receivers, the warehousing, it includes the payments, it includes the banking system, it includes customs and insurance, and so on. But if all um, if all stakeholders um, can be can be joined together, I think that's the first step already to uh, to create efficiencies in on the um, on ship operation. But of course, as, as we also heard in the previous uh, panel. Um, uh, the ship uh, handling, ship operation, um, uh, um, optimization um, through uh, shore to ship uh, uh, communication with um, with ports and so on. But I would like to actually take it to the next uh, to the next stage, and um, this is uh, a little bit was talked about before already. I think in future our industry will change from where from what we have today in the sense that. Um, I think we will have something like a shipping Uber uh, in the not too distant future. We all know Uber is, uh, as, a, as a competition to taxis. Um, but what it really is, it brings together um, those who require transportation and those who provide transportation. And it works with the fact that it's always the closest uh, and the most suitable transport provider that gets the job. Right now, our industry works with brokers, and we have um, we have relatively transparent uh, marks when it comes to where the ships are. We also know where where the cargoes are through our brokers. Um, but I think what we will see is is on this uh, ship. Oh, I'm short. Sorry. All right. So let me bring this quickly to. Um, so I think what we will see is um, rather than the, the shipping Uber being a super broker. I think it will actually create a platform where we will be, people will be able, before entering into purchase contracts, before buying commodities, you will be able to arrange already your transport needs and you will source your, your commodities, you will source your goods from the most suitable point, considering also the, uh, the transportation. Well, so we have to be short, I, mean, I will leave it here. Food for thought. Some of you may say uh, this is rubbish, it will uh, far fetched, it will never happen. But um, I think and we have seen a lot of things happening uh, in the last years that we all thought would never happen. Um, I think uh, taxis, uh, taxi drivers, they didn't think that they would be taken over by Uber. And um, it is happening. So, uh, food for thought. Thank you very much. Can I just add, just make it a bit of a debate and, and very quickly? I think digitalization is 
a means to the end. It, it's not the end. And, and what we as managers have to focus on is optimization. We have to make sure that the service we provide is optimized for uh, the owner customers out there. So digitalization is just one of the, the many means to that optimization end. Digitalization, economies of scale, efficacies, efficiencies, etc., etc. I think there's. I think one of the last panel mentioned uh, this debate about digitalization. He didn't really understand. I think it was Drew. Didn't really understand why we were talking about digitalization when it is here and uh, and happening. It's all about optimization, and and that's why uh, you're seeing uh, the management companies get bigger and bigger. Not. Uh, for any other reason than to try to optimize the service they do, always focusing on uh, the, the client's particular uh, individual needs. So, I, in, in my view, digitalization is, is a, a sideshow. It's all about optimization. I would like to add uh, something quickly to this, because I think that from the outset, Johnny said it already. Now we have a debate. <laughs> digitalization is not about automation. Digitalization, digitalization is, and somebody used the word disruption. We all used to think disruption is something terrible. Disruption is now used actually as a positive word, because it's completely changed an entire industry. And what I, was, I, was, what I wanted to, I just wanted to point out, is um, we have to think further ahead than just the next two or three years. Uh, the bigger thing, and I, I, I think um, our industry will change um, uh, regardless of uh, what will happen in the next couple of days. We will be a different industry in 30, 40 years. Uh, thank you, Peter. <coughs> Let me go to the next question. Let's uh, let's say go not focus now in future. Let's go let's say in uh, day to day and uh, the reality we are facing. Uh, companies are here to to make profit, and I'm uh, addressing the question to Petros. Uh, companies are here to make profit, and profit is what? Is revenue minus cost. Cost can be fixed and variable cost, can be employees, administrative, maintenance, uh, operation, taxation, asset depreciation, etc. Economies of scale is often promoted as an answer to cost control. Which are the cost factors that a company should concentrate in order to ensure a positive Profit, and what are the pros and cons in applying economy of scale in shipping? Thank you, Janis. Uh, I have to be quick. Someone passed me a message here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Before I answer, uh, I very much like uh, what Dieter said about Uber. We have to think that uh, similarities we have seen in other industries. So most probably we who we see in our industry as well. Um, replying to your question, uh, we believe that effective cost control and dynamic planning should be continued, not uh, during difficult times. With that in mind, it's easier to survive during these difficult periods and quite important to avoid actions under pressure that at some point can affect uh, quality. Uh, also, we believe that uh, successful companies are those with uh, a global scale of, or scale of operation and clientele and that uh, understand and quickly and continuously, I'd like to emphasize that continuously, adopt elements such, uh, just to mention the most important, market driving, cost control, consolidations, of, economies of scale, technology, technological innovation, digitalization, that we just mentioned, New regulation, we mentioned before, allocation of capital and capital expenditures. 
Together, these parameters can enable the company to achieve the best possible result. Uh, coming to your question about um, economies of scale, uh, believe that uh, this could be beneficial, but uh, we should have in mind that, uh, like two sides of the same coin, economies of scale and these economies of scale um, coexist in business. Uh, our experience shows that uh, cost-effective structure can easily be implemented in smaller size companies as well, and uh, a manageable size team of uh, dedicated professionals can bring equal competitive results compared to bigger scale operations. I'd like also here to use something that Captain Adami mentioned, uh, the, the, the decision process, the quick decision process, is a, is a very important element. And uh, just to um, close, having in mind the note, uh, we believe that uh, even though shipping is a global business, it is also a, a people's business. And maintain, maintaining good relations is an investment. Thank you. Thank you, Petro. I would like to combine the two of the comments uh, I have heard until now. And, uh, one is about timing from uh, Eugene, and uh, one is about Uber. And uh, I just remembered about three years ago in a, in a committee meeting we had, uh, one of my colleagues dared to say that uh, uh, the Uber model would be taking over shipping, and he was almost eaten alive. Uh, so it was bad timing. But uh, now I see that ship owners are maybe embracing this idea. Uh, I will come uh, to my final question, and that would be to Prabhat. Uh, Prabhat, uh, considering the particularities of the industry and uh, the current market conditions, could you list some practical suggestions for efficient, efficient capital allocation? And would you recommend companies to allocate part of their capital to digital transformation? If yes, why? Thank you, Yannis. Good afternoon, everyone. First of all, show me the money, then I'll tell you where to put it. <laughs> In the ship management business, you know, we are only spending the money. But we have to spend it wise and spend it timely. So only my suggestion would be that we should spend the money where we can create the value and the companies can capture the value. And what we'll say that what we have done is that we have tried to make even our older ships efficient and we have tried to do the retrofit programs when it comes to <coughs> fuel efficient, whether increasing the cargo carrying capacity, whether improving the electrical power generation so that they can carry more reefers on board. So all this impacts on the commercial uh, competitiveness, competitiveness of the ship. And we have retrofitted in the last five years nearly 250 ships with a new bulbous bows, new propeller. A lot of investments have already paid themselves off. And, and we can reap the benefits. We have collaborated with big engine makers in coming out with a new design, even in terms of the feeder ship, controllable pitch propellers, new boss caffeines, first of its kind. And there we have having almost 50% saving in terms of, of the fuel consumption. Then we have also gone for the cargo boost. We have upgraded uh, the, the container carrying capacity of our ships. We have invested heavily in in providing the ventilation of the cargo holds and carrying the, the deferred cargo on the ships, which were very cheap, and we, we, we really are taking pride that we used to have a ships with the maximum uh, deferred capacity transiting Panama Canal even five years back. 
and of course today it still stands. So, and all this has a net impact that of course we are able to optimize our ships. We are giving back to the environment that all this has resulted in approximately saving of nearly 2 million tons CO2 emission every year. So, this is something uh, really that we are very proud of. We have say, taken over nearly 80 electronic engine ships in the last three years. And again, we have invested in our people. For the ship management, what is our strength? It is people on board or ashore. So MSC has a proud policy in investing in the people's career development, whether on board or ashore. And this is where one of our biggest investment of the ship management is. And this is why we can say that we are ready to take over any challenges, whether it will be a new ship or retrofit ships and everything. So this, I, I, I leave it here that, uh, you know, this is where we should invest the capital. And at the end result, outcome that, you know, why we should invest wisely and timely is that we have, we are very proud to have a crude retention rate of 98%, consistent over the last six years. So this is where we can see that we have made a wise decision. And, and of course, it is not only the technical skills, leadership skills, and of course, uh, in terms of the corporate social responsibility also, we are doing a lot of things. So that, that answers my question on the capital allocation part. Coming back to the digital transformation, you know, I, I like to answer in two areas because one is the cargo areas and one is the ship operation area. So on the cargo area is, we are carrying the container, so I'll limit my question answer response to the container side. MSC always selects uh, the right uh, technology and invest in it and we continue to digitize our aspects of the business. We are one of the early backers of a, a French technology called Praxens, which is a, a, a proven technology for remote container monitoring and operations, so that we can give our customers more visibility how their containers are being carried and everything. As some of the panels have said before, there is always a hype, and a lot of time, what we have seen it, we have also burned our fingers, that a technology gets prematurely implemented, and it does not reap the benefits that it was uh, expected to be, and, and you lose the time, you lose the effort, and you lose the money. What we would like to call on in the industry is that in the shipping lines, all the shipping companies have to compete, compete in terms of the service, but when it comes to the technology, let's collaborate, let's make it industry standard. This is the only way we can bring the technological transformation, make it a standardization in our industry, so that the customer does not have to worry about Oh, if I'm going to ship my container with uh, one carrier and with uh, another port, uh, whether they are going to match, whether I will have the same monitoring capacity or not. You know? So this is something uh, really a need of the hour, and this is uh, MSC has been trying to collaborate with industry a lot. We are one of the only shipping lines uh, to participate in the EU uh, Digital Open Days uh, in Estonia, where uh, a declaration was made on the EU Digital Transformation Initiative. And it was mostly on, only on the safe automation, digital transformation, and everything. I would just like to quote one line from it, which is basically uh, the essence of our our uh, our business. Uh, I know it is there, but let me just <laughs> conclude. It is very important. So this is the the foundation for any digital transformation initiatives. For digitalization to work, we must remember it is all about the people. Creative and concrete new measures are needed to ensure a socially sustainable transition. Investing in skills and long, lifelong learning is also an investment in digitalization. 
So before we try to implement any new technology, we have to make the people ready who can really implement it. This is what we have done in the past, and this is where we have really been successful in, in our digital mission. And today we can really boast of something, a unique uh, automatic data acquisitions that we can, as a ship management, we can be effective, we can be business, uh, you know, our model can really work if we can monitor our ships real time and add the value to it. So we are really proud, we are doing a very powerful analytics, we can, uh, you know, see the performance of the ships, we can monitor the fuel consumptions, our system can automatically generate an email to the ship saying that, look, uh, you are running more generators than necessary, you have to shut down the generator. So it is not only we are monitoring, but at the end we are trying to improve the capability of the people working on board. So I would like to just conclude that, you know, the technology is uh, going to have a big impact on the ship management. Also in terms of the organizational design, the way the technology is developing, I'm very confident that there are a lot of ranks, especially like the superintendent, where each company is always looking for the qualified, will become redundant. And, and as we can see that, you know, as we have introduced technology in our daily world, our superintendents are able to handle more ships than, than the conventional one. But concluding, uh, you know, the shipping will definitely adopt new technologies and everything, but our message is that we still continue to value and reward our people that is the only way we can bring the success to our digital transformation. Thank you. Thank you, Prabhat. Any, any concluding uh, comments from many of our panelists? And uh, please be aware that uh, we don't have time. Okay, well, uh, we'll try and keep this, try and keep this short. Uh, I think all of us on the, on the panel here accept that um, our clients, the owner-operators, are asking more for less and, and more for less uh, and better and that's what optimization uh, is all about so i think the challenge for all of us in in whatever form that takes is to achieve a scale uh, be it large or small which allows for that optimization uh, always focusing on the client at the end of the day uh, we have to have the humbleness to appreciate we are a service provider, only a service provider, and the client has to come first, and I'm, I'm happy to say uh, that all of us on this panel uh, do our level best to ensure that the client does get the, the very best service. So, thank you very much. So, uh, yes, Peter, anything from you? In line with what I said before, I would just say, uh, when working on the medium and the short term, don't forget the long term, and uh, I think we all need to uh, Consider events that will happen in 30, 40 years from now as well. This shipping is a long term industry. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much and thank you all for uh, your patience. I think that, uh, we can uh, conclude this panel and uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you.